The ascension of our Lord is often overlooked. It always falls on a Thursday, and, in our society, that makes it hard to celebrate properly. However, ascension is an important feast. It looks backwards and forwards at the same time. Looking back, the Feast of the Ascension reminds us of how the Old Testament wrote of Christ's suffering and rising. So we shouldn't have been surprised that Christ did truly rise from the dead, in the flesh, no less. Looking forwards, we anticipate the gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Though Ascension points us both to the Feast of Pascha behind us and to the Feast of Pentecost before us, it's more than just a link. It reminds us of our own glorification. In today's episode, we meditate on a few different themes of the Feast of the Ascension. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Let us be attentive. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I, myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And see, I am sending upon you what my Father promised. So stay here in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. As he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple blessing God. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. That reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 36 through 53. Yesterday was the Feast of the Ascension 
in the Eastern Church. This means that the 40-day-long feast of Passover, known as Pascha in Greek or Easter in English, has finally come to a close. In the Feast of Ascension, we see Christ ascend into heaven. But what does this mean? How are we to understand this feast? A few people see the Feast of Ascension as the completion of the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, which is described in Leviticus 16, was an ancient Israelite ritual in which Israel asks for the forgiveness of their sins. As a part of the ritual, a bull was sacrificed and the blood of the bull was sprinkled throughout the tabernacle, including the Holy of Holies. The idea is that blood acted as a detergent, cleansing the tabernacle and the land of Israel of sin that had stained them throughout the year. Sin, in the mind of the ancient Israelites, polluted the land, and if the land was polluted, then God wouldn't be able to reside in their midst. God and sin pollution don't get along. So in order to keep God present among his people, the tabernacle and the land had to be washed, if you will, every year. If you want to think of this as an annual spring cleaning, though the feast is in the fall, you'd be on the right track. So, in order to see the ascension of Christ as a completion of the Feast of Atonement, you have to imagine that Jesus hanging on the cross was the sacrificial bull that who was sacrificed to cleanse the world of sin. His blood is the cleansing agent that removes the pollution, allowing God to reside in our midst. However, a key detail of the Day of Atonement is that the blood has to enter into the Holy of Holies, which is equivalent to Jesus entering into heaven. In short, Jesus takes his blood into heaven at his ascension. Thus, the completion of Christ's sacrifice on the cross is his ascension, the taking of the blood into the Holy of Holies to complete the ritual. In this understanding of the Feast of Ascension, there's a lot to chew on. Though I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Luke, nor the hymns of the Church, reflect this sort of view or theology. Instead, one theme that the Gospel reading and the hymns dwell on is the fact that Jesus rose bodily from the dead. He was not a ghost or a spirit. He was resurrected flesh. Luke emphasizes this theme in two ways. First, through his appearance. Jesus shows the disciples the marks of the nails in his hands and feet. Furthermore, he asks them to touch him so that they may feel his flesh. While scripture doesn't say whether anyone actually touched him, the text seems to suggest that they still weren't quite fully convinced. So in response, he takes a second tactic. This time he asks for food, which they give him. He then promptly eats in their presence. Ghosts don't eat. So within the text of Luke, this is proof that Christ has truly risen from the dead bodily. No ghost here. The hymns of the church also emphasize Jesus' fleshiness though they use this fact in two surprising ways. One, to contemplate Christ's 
condescension, and two, to contemplate the glorification of humanity through the fleshly ascension of Christ. Here's a hymn from the Vespers. In yourself you renewed the nature of Adam, which had descended to the netherworld, O God. And today you lifted it higher than all principalities and authorities. For since you loved it, you sat it with you sympathetically. You joined it to you, united. You suffered with it, suffering, albeit impassable. You glorified it with you. Then the bodiless host began to say, Who is this handsome man? Not merely man, but God and man. What we see is the two combined. Then two distinguished angels in white robes said to the disciples, Men of Galilee, this Jesus, man and God, who is taken up from you, will come again as God-man, the judge of the living and the dead. And those who believe in him, he gives forgiveness of sins and the great mercy. This hymn speaks of Jesus' condescension, his kenosis or self-emptying, both through his incarnation, his willingness to be born as a human and to suffer as humans do, and through his descent into the netherworld. But this descent is balanced by his ascension. Just as Jesus became human and suffered as human, now humanity ascends into heaven and is glorified as Jesus is glorified. The result of Jesus identifying with us is that we get to identify with Jesus. Another hymn from Vesper states, You never left the Father's bosom or sweetest Jesus, even as you lived among those on earth as men. And today you ascended in glory from the Mount of Olives, and sympathetically you also exalted our fallen nature, and you seated it with the Father. Therefore the celestial orders of the bodiless hosts were amazed by the wonder, and they were struck with astonishment, and overcome with trembling, they extolled your love for humanity. We on earth join them in glorifying your condescension to us and your ascension from us. And we entreat you and say, you filled your disciples and your mother the Theotokos with infinite joy by your ascension. By their prayers, will you also count us worthy of the joy of your elect because of your great mercy. This hymn also reinforces that Jesus was resurrected in the flesh. But this resurrected flesh is an exalted flesh that is now glorified and seated at the right hand of the Father. So, if the emphasis in Scripture is on the fleshiness of Christ, his body really did rise from the dead, the hymns pick up on this theme and push it further. It's not just that Jesus isn't a ghost, but through his fleshly resurrection, he glorifies all flesh, all of humanity. Though two different aspects, the theme is the same, the flesh. In the biblical text, Luke moves on with a double sort of, see, I told you so, sort of moment. The first is an emphasis on the fact that Jesus' death and resurrection had been written of in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms, what we call the Old Testament. Luke takes pains throughout his entire gospel to show us that the Jesus story isn't something new. Instead, it's something that had already been written. 
If we take the time to go back and mine the Old Testament of the treasure it contains, we will find that from the perspective of the cross, we will understand the Old Testament correctly and see Christ within the text. Understanding this point, that Christ is written about in the Old Testament, is important for Luke. The life, death, and resurrection of Christ are past events, which the apostles have now witnessed. So if they can see that what was written of Christ has come true, then they have no reason to doubt that what is written about the future will also be true. What's this future event? It's the promise of the Holy Spirit, that is, being clothed with power from on high, as Luke puts it. In other words, the fact that the Old Testament's testimony about Christ has come true becomes the basis for the promise of the Holy Spirit within the text of Luke. And for this, Luke says that the disciples were constantly in the temple blessing God. And it's no different for us. In just over a week, we too will behold the descent of the Holy Spirit, and we too will praise God because of His great glory. I'll leave it there for now. Until next time, keep walking the way. God bless.